Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Welcome everyone, this is Eric L. Dunvat, the Mindset Disruption Strategist here for another episode of Redefining Success. And today, man, I couldn't be more excited. We've got Fitz Kohler, who is with fitness.com. She is an author, a speaker, a race announcer. But what I love the most when I looked at her, she's the fitness innovator. Uh, so Fitz, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm very excited about our conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Yeah. So Fitz, before we kind of get into everything, we're going to spend time today talking about kind of fitness and and your books that you've got, the books that are just now out and the book that you wrote a couple of years ago. But outside of all of that, author, speaker, race announcer, tell us about Fitz. Uh, Fitz is a very, very happy girl. She's born with a naturally cheery disposition. My mother actually confessed that I was conceived in Disney World. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm I, I choose to be happy. I'm a joy addict. I have a great family, uh, married to a police lieutenant over 30 years. Well, I haven't, we haven't been married over 30 years. He's been in that career for a long time. Um, I have two teenagers who blow my mind every day. They they make me so happy. My daughter's 19. My son is 17. And, you know, much like every parent, I'm just desperately in love with them. I'm, I'm obsessed with my dogs. I have two rescues, Piper and Joey, and I choose to spend as much of my free time with them as possible. We're besties. I love the outdoors. I love being dragged behind a boat. I'm a lifetime uh, native Floridian. So sunshine, fresh air, outdoors. Um, I, I enjoy I enjoy my life very much. And that's, sarcasm. sarcasm that's, that's, I love your attitude. I love the excitement and joy that you bring into that. Um, what are you passionate about right now? Oh, right now, these, it's just so interesting. It's something I never thought I'd be in, involved in. So I'm a fitness expert and I've spent my life helping people live better than, and longer. Right now, my laser focus is, uh, the cancer comeback series. And, you know, I guess I never wanted to be a part of this because who wants cancer, right? But mm. I had it and it was hard, but I did it. And I came out with some incredible lessons learned. And so I poured them into the pages of these books because the person that I am helps others live better and longer. And yeah, within cancer, we have a lot of power too. So my noisy cancer comeback came out two years ago and that's a memoir. And I share all the nitty gritty, gory, hilarious details of my experience with cancer because I didn't sit home. I continued to work. I boarded wow. a plane over 30 times out of Gainesville, Florida with my bald head. And I took my my cancer show on the road and I announced 30 something races around the country and it was hard. You know, I slept on a ton of bathroom floors, but it was also, or hotel bathroom floors, but it was also 
extraordinary. And, you know, I had some really funny moments, crazy moments, wild moments, and uh, powerful moments that I've poured into this book. So I'm really excited about that. And, and the great feedback is, um, well, I get two things. One sad is almost every day someone reaches out and says, my person has been diagnosed with XYZ type of cancer, brain, blood, bone, breast, whatever. They come out and say, I need this book for my person. And then almost every day I get a message from a cancer patient and survivor who says, I am doing so much better after reading your book. It's really mm. my attitude and, and the way I confront everything. And so that book is doing exactly what I intended it to do. And then these two new books, uh, which I'm so excited about because they really are uh, the combination of, of my cancer street cred and my expertise as a fitness professional and uh, your healthy cancer comeback, sick to strong. This book is a guidebook, a blueprint, the manual mm. for anyone going through cancer or coming out of cancer um, to a slow the decline because you can, you can stop your muscles from atrophying to an extent mm. you can use exercise, nutrition, quality rest, and complementary care to slow the decline and then rebuild your body. Um, I, <laughs> I had a really rough time with chemo, especially I had chemotherapy for 15 months and I had a bunch of radiation and surgeries too, but the chemo was the worst part for me. And about midway through my treatment, I was a shell of who I was, you know, mm -hmm. I, I had really fought it off as much as I could, but the concoctions of drugs they gave me were so mean, excuse me, I have a tickle, um, that I became a shell of Fitz Kohler. I was skeletally thin, excuse me. I've got a tickle today. I apologize. No, it's okay. Um, so I was skeletally thin. I was dreadfully weak. I couldn't open a car door, a water bottle, my weight, I went into weight train at the gym and I realized I can only push about 20% of what I pushed before mm. cancer. And so at this, you know, really low moment where I looked bad and I felt bad and, and I couldn't perform. And I thought, well, I know exactly how I'm going to get myself back to point B. I know exactly how I'm going to rebuild my body. I'm This is now. But a year from now, I'm going to be doing great and I'm going to get back to athletic adventure. And I did a, a little over a year after finishing my 15 months of chemo and other treatment, I ran the Boston Marathon. Wow. Yeah. So yay me. However, at that very low moment, I also had this epiphany of, oh my gosh, what would it be like if I were not a fitness expert? Mm. If I just were the average Joe who had cancer beat the hell out of me every part of my body was devastated yeah. and I didn't know how to right. get normal again or to uh, get back to healthy living. And that is where your healthy cancer comeback was born because I wasn't, it wasn't okay for me that there are no resources for mm -hmm. patients and survivors to rebuild their body. There's literally nothing. So, so I created it. And then along with the, your healthy cancer comeback is the healthy cancer comeback journal, which is you know, you put in your oncology details, your scans, your data diagnosis, your medical team, but then it's a place to share your, your fears, your faith, mm. your family, and then some fun stuff. And my, my silly sense of humor tells me that every situation is hilarious. Even if it's a horrible accident, even if it's cancer, there's something funny that came out of it. And so have you nicknamed your port? Have you nicknamed your tumor? 
Um, what celebrities do you look like bald? I mean, I got them all. I was uh, uh, starting with Crazy Britney. You look like Crazy Britney Spears. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, my best friend nicknamed me Noisy Mannequin, which was very funny. So, you know, I want people to control what they can yeah. and uh, find the best. And then the last half of the journal is daily fitness logs, tracking your progress mm -hmm. with nutrition and exercise and sleep and I'm celebrating all the good stuff. Wow. I guess I, I'm glad you created it. I guess I'm more surprised there's not anything out there really for people yeah. like that so far. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. You go to Amazon and you look at cancer and fitness and there's some old book about 20 years old. I'm not going to pick on it by name, but it's close to useless. And um, yeah. this one is very, these books are very powerful. So I'm I'm excited to be the one. Yeah. To be someone. I'm glad it's me. And you know, I'm going to Babe Ruth this thing. I'm pointing to the bleachers. I want every cancer patient mm. in the world to have this thing in their hands. And I'm going to do the work to get it there. Oh, absolutely. That's so good. Um, tell me a little bit about how do you get to be a race announcer? Yeah. How do you find so, out that's a gift? Yeah. So I'm a sport performance expert and I, I teach uh, athletes how to prepare their body for sport. And so many years ago, Walt Disney World, they have a run series called Run Disney and they were bringing me in every time they had a race weekend to speak to their athletes. And I would teach uh, workshops like strength training for runners and others similar. And their race announcer, they had this guy, Rudy Novotny, who is my favorite race announcer on planet Earth and a big booming voice, great charisma, personality. I'd run those races and boy, was he a lot of fun at a start line. He made a start line special. He made the finish line special. And so his job Besides announcing the races, he worked the expos and he introduced me every time I spoke. And then he'd have to sit and listen to me chat for or yammer for an hour. And he was always very complimentary. And one day he just came in and said, you know what? You are so fun and engaging. I need a co-announcer for the OC Marathon in California in a few months. Would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. I mean, I've never done it before, but sure. I see what you do. It looks like it's within my wheelhouse. I'd love to give it a try. And um, so that race director agreed to hire me. And within an hour of yelling go for the first time on marathon morning, race director came over and said, would you come back next year? And wow. I said, yes. And then it's spun out of control in the most wonderful way because I am slammed with massive events. I host the Los Angeles marathon and Buffalo marathon and route 66 and some of the most iconic running events in the U S and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. It's so much fun. That sounds like a ball. Um, when your actual cancer journey was when you said four years ago, five years ago, when did it, um, I started chemo in March of 2019 and I finished in May of 2020. So all during COVID. Well, the, the end of my treatment was during COVID. So okay. I finished in May. So okay. I had two months okay. of cancer COVID combo. But from a, so this is the redefining, so this is a, this show is re, redefining success. I'd love to kind of walk through the journey of life is good or, you know, things are, and all of a sudden you get slammed with this cancer diagnosis. And what is, what does that part of the journey look like for Fitz? What, what was going on in life and what did you have to kind of reassess? And I know what you, you've already told us a little bit what you learned through it, but I mean, what did you have, what, what was, what's the beginning of that life? You know what? So it, it really is all decisions and I, and I want people to know they're in control. So um, when I found my lump in February of 2019, I had had a sparkling clean mammogram seven weeks prior. 
there was nothing there. I've had tons of radiate radiologists look back. There was nothing there. So within seven weeks, my body develops this tumor. It spreads to the lymph nodes and it's running through me like wildfire, very aggressive. And uh, I've thought for sure I was definitely dying. I thought, oh gosh, here it comes. And I make the perfect tragic tale of tragedy. So why not? And uh, thankfully my oncologist said, no, you're going to be okay. Um, you're going to suffer. It's going to be long, but we're going to get you to point B. You're going to live a long, healthy life, which I appreciated. Um, and so once I got the affirming news that I was curable, I, you know, I made three big booming decisions. I made number one um, to continue to utilize perspective. So up until my diagnosis, I used to say it's not cancer. And mm. so, when, you know, when I spilt something or didn't get a job or got in an argument or whatever, it's not cancer. It'll go away. It's fine. Um, I'm actually such an annoying person that if I'm stuck in a traffic jam, I can never feel, well, it's me. I'm stuck in a traffic jam. All I can think is, thank goodness, I'm not the person in the accident mm. that caused this jam, right? So perspective, perspective, perspective. And then all of a sudden, after saying it's not cancer for many years, it was cancer. Mm. And then I had to reevaluate again, but that little person that fits in the back of my head, she goes like this. She says, you know what? Yeah, it's cancer, but you're not a kid with cancer and it's not your kid with cancer. So suck it up soldier and get on with it. You can do hard things. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to be a baby about it. Now, did I cry? I cried every day. I was very human. There's no super human thing going on here, but keeping perspective. Someone always had it worse. I had a girlfriend just died of pancreatic cancer. That's a super mean type of cancer. You know, I was grateful to be breast cancer, not pancreatic. So perspective was my number one. Number two, as I sat there before I even started one drop of chemo, um, I decided I was going to pursue my passions no matter what. My passions were my kids. So if they had something special, whether it was a show, a ceremony, a sport, I was going to be there come hell or high water. And again, I didn't know what I was in for, but I was making these rules for myself. And when I decide something, I stick with it. I also decided I was not going to let cancer steal my career. Uh, my career is awesome. I've created it. I love what I do. I'm obsessed with the people I serve. And I earned my rightful spot on those stages. And there was no freaking way I was going to let this stupid disease take my career and those opportunities. So I, again, before I knew what I was in for, I was like, I'm going to go, I'm not missing. And my doctors were great. They never once said, stay home, hide out, wear a mask, isolate. They said, go live your best life. This is the mm. best thing for your health. And so my perspectives, the passions, and then the last but not least is I chose to be positive. I never had a why me moment. I never felt victimized. I never wore a ribbon. I do not wear ribbons. I do not wear shirts that say cancer warrior. I'm not giving this this disease any more mm -hmm. um, room, place of honor on my chest. I'm dinged up enough. And so I chose to be positive. And um, yeah, those are things that anybody can choose for themselves. Um, sometimes you hit that fork in the road and you go, oh, I have cancer. What am I doing wrong? I'm going to go switch. For me, that fork in the road just solidified that I, already, I had already been doing the right things I just needed to double down and I did. Mm. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know that you can answer for them, but I would love to, how did your husband and your kids handle the using, I mean, you've got this great positive attitude. I mean, were you having to lift them up too, or what was, what was going on at home? Um, you know, my kids, they're kids, right? So my, um, 
I, I waited until I knew for sure to tell my children. Parker, uh, my son, handled this quietly and peacefully as I, as he is. You know, he kind of absorbed it. And um, I gave them both the, the bad news, good news. You know, it's bad news. I found a lump. It turns out it is cancer. But the great news is it's curable. I'm going to look a little weird for a while. I'm going to feel kind of bad, but I'm going to be fine. And his response was, mommy, you're going to look so cute bald. And I thought, oh, <laughs> right? right, this boy of mine. And um, inside, apparently, he told me later, he thought for sure I was dying. So he handled um, my disease, at least at the start, like a like a real gentleman. And then my daughter, I told her, and she just wailed. It was She was inconsolable. And it was brutal. Mm. However, for the two of them, you know, kids are resilient. They were involved in school and activities. And it was a very um, brief amount of time before they were making fun of mom's bald head, you know, so <laughs> they, they went on there with their life. I, I never took them to a scary appointment. Um, they came to the days where I celebrated finishing chemo and finishing radiation, but I never took them to an appointment. I didn't want them to see me fear. I didn't want them to see me hurt and needles hurt. So we kept them at home and sometimes mom was on the couch, you know, and they could tell I was sick, but I'm their mom. So if you're going to put on a, a stiff upper lip for anybody, it's your kids. So um, they were great. My husband just said, I'm going to get you through this. He, I think he took off 40 something days of work to take me to appointments. Wow. And um, I didn't have to do anything alone. Uh, it was, you know, I was very well supported. And then of course, every stranger on earth looked at my bald head and knew what was going on and and the kindness was mm. extraordinary. It's interesting how many people, how many countries they pick on Americans. We are the nicest, the warmest, the most generous people on, on earth. And that's every type of person of every color, every gender, every economic status. Everyone took care of me while I was sick and I wasn't asking for it again. I know I wore no logos, no ribbons, sure. but people knew and they went out of their way to be uh, loving. And I will spend the rest of my life trying to pay that forward. Mm. Hmm. So you're in the middle, you go through this cancer journey, you get to the other side. Um, what inside of you says, you know what, I need to write a book. Um, so two things. So I, I, I think my, my, my reasons for writing your healthy cancer comeback in the journal are sure. just wanted to help people steer them with my knowledge and expertise. Right. So that was that. Um, so this book, the My Noisy Cancer Comeback, um, this one was spawned from my outrageous experiences that nobody was discussing. So when I went in for, um, they called it Breast Cancer 101 with the PA, she gave me all sorts of possibilities. She said, well, you may have a full mastectomy. You may have a single, you may have a lumpectomy. You may have, you may be sick. You may be tired. You may be this. Okay, I got all that and I had all that. Um, however, Nobody warned me that my eyes might change colors. Oh my, really? Eyes changed colors. Nobody told me that. You know, I knew I would lose hair in my head and my arms and my legs. And I went to, um, so I, I basically lost 50% of my hair at the finish line of the Los Angeles Marathon. Wild, windy day, hair going everywhere. It was chaos. That's in the book. But <laughs> then I, I went home. I went back to Florida on Monday, shaved my head. And then the next, that weekend, I had to go back to California for another race. And that was the Encinitas Half Marathon. And um, 
you know, revealing the bald head to the masses was kind of interesting. And, and you know what, I, I was a cold day. I would have normally wore a fuzzy hat, even with long hair, but I decided I'm not going to hide my head because there's, there's future cancer patients in this corral in this group. And they're going to remember the noisy bald lady and remember that it's okay. And you don't have to hide. So anyways, that I, I started announcing the races. I have a good friend, Dana Sabodka, who I'd met the year prior. She beat breast cancer and ran the Encinitas half marathon. And so I learned about her and I made a Royal stink out of her the year prior in 2018. So 2019, there I am at the finish line. I'm the bald one. She's running the race. She comes through the finish and she comes over to say hi. And she said, oh, how are you? And the reality is I had no choice but to tell everybody what I was going through. I knew showing up bald was going <laughs> to, you know, inspire some questions. So I, I had released the information, but I didn't tell anybody about my hardships as I was going through them. A, I don't want pity. And B, um, my career fitness is I'm the beacon of health and happiness. Mm. Talking about my suffering, but telling every detail wasn't going to help anybody at the time. So um she comes over and says, how are you? And instead of being honest, I just said, oh, I have allergies. And I had tissues all on my table. My nose was running like a sieve. And I thought, oh, chemo and whatever. I'm allergic. And I said, oh, I just have allergies. She goes, no, you don't have allergies. I said, yeah, I do. My nose is running like crazy. She goes, Fitz, you don't have any nostril hair. And I said, what? And she goes, you don't have any nostril hair. I was like, are you kidding? And then so I leaned my head back and I said, look, and she looked at my nose and she goes, yeah, you got no nostril hair. That's why your nose is running. And so I kept having all these weird, weird things happen like that. And nobody was talking about them. And so, you know, at first I thought, well, I'm going to jot this, jot this down. Maybe I'll write an article, but people would get a good laugh at this. Yeah, weird. yeah. And then when I put together, not only the weird, hilarious things that were going on, combined it with you know, my really good decisions on perspective, passions, positivity, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to write a book. This is, you know, how everyone was like, I'm going to write a book. You know, I decided I had to write a book and I did write the book. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been going great. It's going, it's fantastic. What is, um, I mean, for those people, but you went through it, but for those people kind of, you were talking about this when we kind of started the interview about the fact of like your, your strength had declined 20%. How do I'm sorry, say that again. I lost 80% of my strength. Oh, 80%. I'm sorry. 80% of your strength went away. For people who go into cancer um, and treatment and things like that, what what have you found as you're coaching other people? Because you've got this resiliency, but as you're coaching and you're kind of helping other people, what are the main perspective shifts that they need to have to then allow them to get back to where they were? So, so first of all, for, I hope none of your listeners right now have cancer. So I'm going to say, prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury would strike. Sure. And if you're going to go into battle, would you rather go into battle as Dwayne, the rock Johnson or Mick Jagger, mm. right? So focus on your health today, make yourself mighty and powerful mm. and um, less likely to falter. Okay. So start there. But if you have been diagnosed, you know, we can't turn back the clock. Can you fight back? You know, we know that um, cancer care often leads to muscle atrophy, which is mm. a real problem. You know, weakness leads to pain. It leads to lack of balance and falls and uh, infection and so forth. So what can you do? Um, some people, it's funny, I have a friend who's going through chemo now. He's like, I barely feel it. I feel fantastic. 
okay, well, good. Then exercise regularly, right? Go for it. Go do all the stuff, you know, of course, baby steps, but make good progress when you can. So the book, uh, chapter seven is called Everything Exercise of Your Healthy Cancer Comeback. And so there's hundreds of regular exercises you can do with your own body weight, dumbbells and bands, um, which are cheap and easy and, and just dynamite. I love bands. Um, but okay, what if you can't stand up or you don't want to stand up? Mm. Here's dozens of exercises you can do in a chair. Because right now, you know what, Eric? I'm doing more than you. My shoulders are getting right. sharper. Yours are, your arms are sitting there. So can I make progress sitting in a chair? You betcha, I sure can. Okay, so what if I'm having a sick day and I'm stuck in bed? What if there's a bunch of sick days in a row? Mm. Like, can you make progress in bed? Well, you can. And so chapter seven is filled with dozens of photos for stretches you can do lying down strength training you can do lying down there are there's progress you can make and again it's while cancer's trying to drag you down you know how do you lift yourself up and with that exercise at any level any form will help i also have dozens of photos of stretches you can do in the shower and so for me because i was exploding all the time i was so sick i was always in the shower and so every time I got in the shower, I would do this whole series of stretches and it just, it mm. felt really good. And it prevented me from getting stiff. And cause nobody ever says, oh, my back is so stiff and means it in a good way. Right. right. So, mobility, balance, strength, stamina. Those are things we can do to push back against those drugs and those radiation zaps and surgery that's trying to make us stiff and immobile. Um, so yeah, so you got to choose it and you know that your job is to just control what you can, do what you can, when you can. So if your exercise for the day is going to be walking down the hall in the hospital, do that. Mm. You know, don't don't say, well, I can't run a marathon, so I'm not going to do anything. Baloney, walk to the freaking mailbox, you know, sit in the pool and wiggle about. You don't have to be an elite athlete right now. Have compassion for yourself, but also don't have pity for yourself. You know, mm. get up and get on with it, whatever level you can make progress, you should. And then no, there's food that helps and there's food that hurts. And I don't even need to pander to people by telling them which is which. We all went to kindergarten and we were told about the healthy food and the not so healthy food. And uh, my my chapter is called food that helps versus food that hurts. And the encouragement is you don't have to be perfect. You're not on a diet, but can you choose foods that make you more resilient, that make your immune system stronger, that make you more of a hostile environment for cancer. Yes, you can do that. Should you do that? Yes, you should do that. So use the things we can. We're going to take, I, I believe in the Western medicine. You know, some people say, I'm not doing that. Okay, well, good luck to you. All right. <laughs> good luck. Um, I really, really appreciate the research that showed that these Western treatments are effective and I'm so grateful for them. But I also, um, I made my body a hostile environment for cancer. I made my body a wonderful place where health could develop and I could get back in action um, as soon as the mean side effects wore off. Fitz, mm. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful that you've actually had the courage to write both these books, but especially this, your healthy cancer comeback and your healthy cancer comeback journal. Yeah. Um, I just can't imagine, one, knowing that no one else has done this. Um, a, so needed and thankful for you to be bold enough and brave enough to go out and make something available and tell your story, right? Because in the middle of any journey or any story, I think sometimes we're afraid we're the only ones who are going through it. 
So yeah. to have the courage, uh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. If people want to find the books, get the books, where's, where's the best place to do that? Okay. So the answer is all three books are available wherever books are sold. However, my preference is that you come visit me at fitness.com. That's F-I-T-Z as in zebra, N-E-S-S.com. That's my home base for everything. You can buy the books individually or as the Cancer Comeback 3-pack. Um, again, I hope none of your audience has cancer, but these books also make a great gift. You know, what happens is when your friend gets diagnosed, your family member, you think, gosh, I wish I could help. All right, yeah. this is how you help. Um, and then all the books that are sold at fitness.com, I sign every single one of them. They mm. all shipped out with a free gift and um, I wrap them up in beautifully and send it with extra love because I want my readers to know how much I care and appreciate them. So fitness.com, F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. Yes, yes, sir. And if I may, I'm also at fitness on all social channels. So um, Instagram, Absolutely. YouTube, Facebook. It, if you follow, I promise quality content in return. But really what I'd prefer is for you to reach out and say, hey, I heard you on Eric's podcast. Yeah. And blah, 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 blah. And I'd like to connect because I would much rather have friends than followers. So, you know, please connect with me. And if I can help, I'd love to. Oh, that's so good. Um, is there anything you didn't get to share that you want to make sure you shared before the show is over? Um, yeah, I mean, you guys can do hard things. I know mm. what you're capable of. You know, none of us get out of this world unscathed, right? The hard stuff happens when, I don't know, our mom walks out of the room or we fall while we're learning to walk. So your life has been packed with difficult obstacles and you've overcome so many of them. So um, take control right now, use the power you have to focus on health. And then, you know, when something hits the fan, continue to believe in yourself mm -hmm. and, and empower yourself to do the things necessary to get back um, to, to fighting shape because life is good and life is short and we should all make the best of each day. Amen. So my last question, Fitz, is always the same. In three generations, what do you hope your great-grandchildren remember about you? Um, grandma was a happy gal who helped so many people live better and longer. That's that's the legacy I care about. That's enough. That's enough. Thank you. Thank you. It's been so good having you on today. And I do, everyone needs to go on to fitness.com, F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S, get a copy of these books because every single one of our lives has been touched by cancer and to have, know that this gift is out there. Uh, please, please do go take advantage of this. Thank you everyone for being with us. We will be with you again next time. Have a great day. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com dot com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, 
We would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360 com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.